Keep your head. Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, June the 12th, 2019. It is 4 p.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Los Angeles, 9 p.m. in London, and 6 a.m. in Sydney. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And even though I can't hear the music, at least you can. That's the main thing. So um, I'm just kind of glad that we're getting going here. This is like a last second thing today, Cindy. I'm usually a little bit more organized than this, but today, you know, hey, we got it going on time. That's the main thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And as long as we're safe, that's all that counts. You know, however you score the run, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to look pretty, right? <laughs> so how you been? You had a good week, I hope. Yeah, having a really good week. That's uh, always good to be able to report. But yeah, everything's everything's gonna be going wonderfully in the first week of this lunation cycle. We are in this lunation cycle that has to do with uh, started with the new moon in Gemini, so it has, has to do with communication. So this is an exciting month for me because I've been teaching a lot of communication things and. Neville is right on board with us today because we're talking about his book that has to do with prayer, Prayer, the Art of Believing, and that's a form of communication, right? It's another one of those short books, but it has proven once again to be in-depth because we find ourselves exploring deep, deep down just to get through part of a chapter, which we hadn't done since, like, the first couple books we did, right? Right. But it shows just how in-depth this stuff is. And, you know, that's cool. That's part of, you know, what's involved in learning all this. Um, yeah. The other thing that's amazing to me is, now this is, what, our sixth book, I think it is, out of some ten books or something that he's done. Yes. And each one, they, I mean, the message is always the same. It's, you know, just like with Abraham, the message is always the same. But it's always different, too. Right. And right. It, it continues to amaze me, never ceases to amaze me, really, how this stuff, as simple as it is, is so complex to learn. Why is that? I, don't, I mean, I've never figured that out. Have you? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I have a tendency to really teach in a very dense way with a lot of depth. Mm. And I think the most important thing you can do to learn any text like this is just what we're doing. Take your time, pull it apart, discuss it instead of trying to rush through it and then realize right. you're not sure what you just read or, you know, you oh. haven't absorbed very much. So happy nope. to take that time. That, that's a good explanation. I like that one. I'll, I'll, I'll record that one. So next time I'll know what the answer is. <laughs> but we were in uh, chat. We, we've been working on chapter five, I think. And yeah. uh, we're, we're most of the way through. we got like a couple pages left and it's, it's a short book. I mean, it, there's only like two very short chapters after that. So, Maybe we'll surprise ourselves. Maybe we'll get through it today. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. We've we've got a couple chapters left, so it just just depends on you know how much we need to tear it apart. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. But well, we just, before before we get started, I'll get the announcements out of the way because that way I won't forget. Right. <laughs> so first things first. If you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, hey, do it. That's how you get off. All five episodes coming to you every single week, Monday through Friday, that we do. And they're all on different topics. Wednesday, of course, is Neville Day. And that's the day we talk about Neville Goddard. But uh, we, lately, we've been reading Richard Bach's Illusions on Mondays. Um, SRTs have been on Tuesday. Uh, we've been doing energy work with Linda Armstrong on Thursday, on Friday, rather. And Thursday, of course, is, you know, with Joel and Alex. And, and those, I can't even predict in advance what those are going to be. They're always so completely different. So you want to become a subscriber so you get all this good stuff. And it's so easy to do. And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just go to the homepage of our website, LOAToday.net, and you will see right at the top of your screen how to subscribe. It just walks you right through it. And then, of course, subscribe and share is the motto. Make sure you share with others the fact that you're subscribing. And, you know, if you're interested in watching us in video as we do this, because we record this live on YouTube um, when we're doing the recording of the podcast, you can do it on YouTube, on YouTube and just find us on the LOA Today 
video podcast page. Um, there are links to it in the descriptions of all of the podcasts, including this one. So just click through and you'll be able to find where we do all of the stuff that we do. And then subscribe while you're there. Subscribe and click the little bell so you get notified each time that we do a live stream. You can join us on the live stream or you can just watch the recorded videos either way. But please subscribe and share because that's where all the fun is. So those are the announcements for the day. Cindy, we can get on with the book. Perfect. All right. So we, up to this point in this chapter anyway, we've been talking about, Neville's been talking about mm-hmm. uh, how, how our thoughts and prayers <laughs> uh, affect the subject of those thoughts and prayers. Yes. And one of the things that Neville says is that, that pr- the success of prayers uh, depend on our attitude of mind not the attitude of the subject. So that would be mm-hmm. the person that we're praying for or praying about, maybe. Um, and I think that's really interesting. He says the subject has no power to resist your controlled subjective ideas of him unless the state affirmed by you to be true of him is a state he is incapable of wishing as true of another. Now, I'm, I almost wish that I could ask Neville, say that in a different way. Well, I do this sometimes with a client, right, or a person I'm having a conversation with. If they say something that I'm not real clear what they mean, Mm -hmm. I have to ask them to tell me that in another way. Mm -hmm. And so when he says that the subject, so the person I'm praying for or about, has no power, you know, to resist these ideas unless, unless... The state affirmed by me. So maybe I'm praying for someone to be healed. Mm-hmm. They don't have, he's saying they don't have any power to resist those prayers unless the state that is affirmed by you, which is a state of wellness or wholeness, um, if that state he is incapable of wishing as true mm-hmm. of another. And so what I think about that is, if the person is incapable of wishing that to be true of another, what does that mean? Does that mean that the person says, well, I have this incurable disease and prayer isn't going to heal it and nothing we do is going to heal it. And so he would be incapable of wishing this to be true of another. Mm-hmm. Like he would say, no, it's not going to help another person. It's not going to help me. Um, that's all I can figure that Neville is saying here. Yeah. Do you have any ideas about that that would be different? I agree with you. I, I think that, that you've got it. And I think if Neville were here in 2019 using the languages and the idioms of 2019, he would probably mirror what Abraham says. That uh, Another way to say the same thing is that the other person has to be in a state of receiving it. He has to be able to receive it. He has to be on the, what Abraham would call the same vibrational level. So in other words, the other person doesn't have to know what you're praying, doesn't even have to know you are praying, but they do have to be capable of even at least accepting the potential, accepting the possibility that there is healing or that there is more money coming in for them or, you know, whatever we're praying about. And, and I think I, I, for myself, I don't know if this is exactly what Neville means, but for myself, I think there's also the aspect they really need to be in that same place now. Not just capable of it. I think they have to be in it at the same time, so to speak. Not that time is meaningful in terms of, of uh, source energy and spiritual, because we, we know that it isn't. But it is meaningful in the sense of how long and how well we maintain that vibration. Yes. And if, if, if we're, like, for this moment in time, let's say I am putting out, to you and to anybody else for that matter, I'm putting out a vibration of, I love apples. And then five minutes from now, I put out a vibration. I can't stand apples. Well, they're going to con- contradict each other. You know, th- those two don't work together. So that's why I think the time element actually makes a difference. It may not make a difference from an eternal viewpoint, but from the human viewpoint, I think it does make a difference. And we do have a buffer of time. We know that. That's yep. why we say things don't happen the second we think of them. Thank goodness. Right. Exactly. Uh, Okay, so we covered this last time, but I just wanted to go over that one paragraph again because it's, it's a good one. Yeah, I agree. It could be confusing, you know. So he says, um, in that case, in, in the case of the person not being able to 
you know, recognize that this could happen for them. Um, it says in that case, the sender, the, it, the prayer returns to the sender. Right. And will realize itself in you, provided the idea is acceptable. Success depends entirely on the operator, not upon the subject, who, like compass needles on their pivots, are quite indifferent as to what direction you choose to give them. If your fixed idea is not subjectively accepted by the one toward whom it's directed, it rebounds to you from whom it came. That's an interesting thing right there. Mm-hmm. And again, I, this would be the question I'd want to ask uh, Neville about, okay? Because the way I understand it, from the Abraham perspective, is any vibration I put out ultimately rebounds to me. It doesn't have to be a vibration that somebody else received to, to block that. I mean, it's still going to come back to me, you know. I, I can be I can be putting out there, like, certain political people I can think of, you know, against this person. This person is, is, is against me. This person is against my policies. This person is terrible, 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 terrible. And if that person receives it according to a strict interpretation of what Neville's saying, that's not going to rebound back on me. But I know it does. I know it always does. Everything I put out there is going to rebound back to me. So the question I've asked Neville is, well, isn't it true that what you're saying actually continues regardless of whether or not the other person receives it? Not that there's anything wrong with the idea that's going to come back to you. I'm just saying, it, it, you, you treat a special case, and I think what you mean is it's always right. true. He goes on to say, uh, who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? I've been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now, this is making the assumption that the prayers are good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and he says at the end of the paragraph that nothing befalls us that is not of the nature of ourselves. Right. That's another, you know, that's a, that could be a whole hour discussion. But in other words, <laughs> what you're saying is that it has to be aligned with our vibration. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in us is that vibration. And we're complicated sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. Meaning that our vibration is always just, you know, focused on one thing. We don't always have singular focus. And sometimes in our life, we're really happy with parts of our life. And then there are other parts where we're not too happy. And, you know, all of that comes into a mix i mean so so here's where you know we were just talking about making the assumption that prayers are something good that we're actually wishing good for someone the next paragraph he says a person who directs a malicious thought to another will be injured by its rebound if he fails to get subconscious acceptance of the other that's a really interesting idea subconscious acceptance of the other so you and I have had many discussions oh, about yeah. negative mental chatter, mm-hmm. right? So now I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say this: what this sounds to me like is that if if I've got a lot of negative self-talk going on and a lot of negative mental chatter, let's say my story in my head is like nothing ever works out for me. Well, then anybody sending a malicious thought my way is going to have a better chance of it happening because I'm already in alignment with it. I'm already saying, you're right, man. (laughs) Nothing works out for me, right? Yeah. But but what he's saying is that because in that case, it sounds to me like their malicious thought coming my way would actually be getting a subconscious acceptance from me. Mm -hmm. I'm already telling a similar story. That's why it's so important that we get a handle on our self-talk and our mental chatter, right? Well, what also comes to my mind is something that you and I have talked about, and actually it's a concept that you won me over to many months ago, um, the idea that focusing on things as positive and negative really isn't as comprehensive as we like to think that it is. It can actually lead to um, unexpected gray areas that you would have thought in advance were black and white, but it turns out they really aren't. But, and again, kind of, kind of going back to the example I gave before, you know, you love apples and I hate apples. Well, so apples, are they positive or are they negative? Depends who you talk to. You know, if I'm talking to you, they're positive. If I'm talking to me, they're negative. You know? right. Right. <laughs> Where, exactly. Whereas the better way that we've agreed on to uh, address this kind of thing is, do I prefer it? Well, that becomes a whole lot clearer. You know, you prefer apples. I don't prefer apples. Okay, well, that's straightforward. Right. There was a story that was actually, I think, a true story, and I don't know where I read it. It's what happens when you read so much. But I I (laughs) sometimes I forget where I read what. But it was a story about a woman that 
was in a wheelchair and that a doctor somewhere had like discovered that this was a very easy situation. Like she could be healed. Like there was not just hope for rehabilitation, but it was pretty much a done deal if she was willing to do the things that need to be done. Uh And she didn't want to do the things that need to be done because when she was in a wheelchair, she always had companionship. She always had someone to carry her around to, to right. places. Like it wasn't just I'm lazy and I don't want to walk. It, but there were a lot of positive aspects to what was going on with her being uh, debilitated. Right. 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 I'm not saying that it's this way for everyone. Just saying sometimes something that on the outside looks negative has some positive aspects to it. Abraham would say this. He would sure. take a notebook and write a list of all the positive aspects, right? Exactly. We might want to label a situation bad. Um, there may be some really special things going on with that. You know, I remember speaking to someone that told me that they were convinced that one of their parents wasn't really sick, but that they seemed to have a doctor appointment, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. And the, the deal was they said, this is what I think. She likes all the doctors. She likes the nurses. It gives her a chance to get dressed up, put makeup on, go out of the house, connect with other people because she doesn't have much of a social life. Exactly. Those were positive aspects. So if you look at it in that light, when you're reading what Neville's saying here, that we can wish and believe something for someone, but they might subconsciously not really be accepting it. That's right. And, and in fact, uh, Abraham, you talk about their book of positive aspects. Actually, they have a very precise title for it. It's my book of positive aspects. Yes. <laughs> right. That's Not right. It's the book. It's my book. That's right. It's personal. It's personal, which means it is subjective, not objective. Yes. It, it, it is all about one person's preferences. It's not about generic preferences. It's not about what's generically considered to be positive or generically considered to be negative. So when we understand it that way, now I look, go back and I look at what Neville's saying. And he says, well, a person who directs a malicious thought to another will be injured by its rebound if he fails to get subjective acceptance of it, subconscious of, uh, acceptance of it, excuse me. Um, and so if I take those, that wording, which is a wording that would make sense for the era in which he was writing, and translate it into what we're talking about here, where we understand it as subjective preference, then it turns into a person who direct, directs a thought he or she doesn't like to another will be adversely affected in a way that they don't prefer by its rebound. And now oh, it makes total sense. Yeah, right, right. Good point. So this is why it's important that we kind of pull this apart. Another reason why it's important, because not only does Neville use some have some really um, ideas that seem a little bit out there, but he also uses language that's mm-hmm. you know, 70 years old. Or right. Whatever. right. So he says, furthermore, what you can wish and believe of another can be wished and believed of you, and you have no power to reject it if the one who desires it for you accepts it as true of you. The only power, now here's your word subjective here, mm-hmm. the only power to reject a subjective word is to be incapable of wishing a similar state of another. To to give presupposes the ability to receive. Exactly what we just talked about. It really is talking about the ability to receive. Yes. Yes. The possibility to impress an idea upon another mind presupposes the ability of that mind to receive that impression. Fools exploit the world. The wise transfigure it. It's the highest wisdom to know that in the living universe there is no destiny other than that created out of the imagination of man. There is no influence outside of the man mind of man. And then he quotes this verse, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Never accept as true of others what you would not want to be true of you. <laughs> That's an interesting thing there because... We often hear, uh, especially in our world today, there's so much going on with social media, with the Internet, with, you know, our really huge amount of potential of communication. Mm-hmm. It's huge. We were watching a show recently that was set back in the 1800s where someone would be waiting for a letter for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Right? And when it didn't come, the stories that would be going on in their mind. Oh, yeah. Right? The person right. 
care about me. Maybe the person died, you know, or what, I mean, they have no idea to know. And I, we were talking about how, wow, how now we have this like fire hose of communication. <laughs> going on. And so when Neville talks here about, you know, well, actually I have a story about that, that, that I can apply right now because it happened just before the show. Oh, do it. Tell us. Because you talk about this fire hose, but despite the fact that we have this fire hose, I was talking with a client of Louise's because Louise had sent an email to her in response to a question that she raised. And she sent it on June 2nd, 10 days ago. And the client had called me yesterday and said, you know, why haven't I heard back from Louise? I, I didn't know Louise had sent the email. So I said, I don't know. Let me check into it. I'll get back to you. So I got back to her and I said, uh, well, I found out from Louise that she sent an email. I actually checked her emails. Yeah, she didn't actually send the email to you on June 2nd. You didn't receive it. And she looked and turned out that uh, she uses AOL. And AOL, for whatever reason, was receiving the emails but wasn't delivering it to her. So this is kind of like the equivalent of what you talked about, you know, the letter that doesn't show up for three weeks. What is it? And, and this was like 10 days, you know, 10 days in, in modern time. That, that's the equivalent of like 10 months, you know, 40 years ago. <laughs> right, right. So, so I say that to say when, when Neville says, you know, that we shouldn't accept as true of others what you wouldn't want to be true of you, we hear a lot of things about others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of things. Um, and so that's an interesting idea right there because we accept a lot of things as being true. Oh, yes. Uh, but in the concept of prayer and in the framework of this chapter, I think maybe he's really talking about um, not gossip, but right. but accepting that something could be true of someone else. Like you could be healed or you could have more uh, good fortune in your life or you could have find a, a soulmate or whatever it is that we're hoping for someone else. Um, we have to be able to accept that it could be true. You know, uh, there's something else I wanted to share, an, an observation I made kind of in, during quiet meditation. There's a big difference between what I suspect, and I don't know because I never really saw Neville um, speak. I never saw him giving his lectures. I never met the man or anything like that. I have been to an Abraham workshop, and I've, we've all seen the Abraham uh, videos on YouTube and so forth. The big difference is that that I can see is that Neville lectured from a lectern. And I have heard stories about how he interacted with the audience at times who would answer questions and so forth. But it just seems striking to me, it seems very likely, actually, that Neville didn't get pummeled with all kinds of you know, questions from a thousand different angles like Abraham does. I mean, literally, oh, wow. a- Abraham gets it from everywhere. They, they get oh. people who get up into that hot seat and start hammering them about, well, I've been putting out there, you know, having a, a clean planet, and the planet isn't getting any bigger, and they just start coming at him with all this stuff. Neville never got that stuff. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm simply observing that it probably means that Neville didn't get the kind of interplay with his audience that would have filled out the details on some of this stuff. So when he was writing, he was being as complete as he knew how to be at the time, lacking that interaction. Certainly, I think you're correct that when he was delivering a lecture, it was more like he was preaching a sermon. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a – I don't think he was having Q&A, but I don't know. I think there may have been some Q&A, but it was fairly limited from what I – from the little that I've recognized of it, yeah. All right, so let's see if we can – wind up at least this chapter today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for the other two chapters. That, that was Neville, a pipe dream. <laughs> Neville says to awaken a state within another, it must first be awake within you. The state you would transmit to another can only be transmitted if it is believed by you. Therefore, to give is to receive. You can't give what you do not have, and you have only what you believe. So to believe a state as true of another not only awakens that state within the other, but it makes it alive within you. You are what you believe. Give and ye shall receive, full measure, pressed down, running over. Giving is simply believing. For what you truly believe of others, you will awaken within them. The vibratory state transmitted by your belief persists until it awakens its corresponding vibration in him of whom it is believed. But before it can be transmitted, it must first be awake within the transmitter. Whatever is awake within your consciousness, you are. Whether the belief pertains to self or another does not matter, for the believer is defined by the sum total of his beliefs or subconscious assumptions. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, in the deep subconscious of himself, so is he. When I, when I hear Neville say this, I think it's really interesting because I think it's all around potential and possibility. Like, <clears throat> right? In other words, when I'm coaching a client, I have to be able to hold a space for them that they really can be that thing, that they right. really can have that thing that they want. <clears throat> I can't be coaching them and yet inside my own self thinking, well, it's probably never going to happen. Yeah, because that doesn't work. No, because the vibration has to be in alignment with what we're working on. Right. That is the possibility and the potential. So I think that I see that in in what Neville's saying here. Um, He says, disregard appearances and subjectively affirm as true that which you wish to be true. And that would be that part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Disregard appearances. There was was a story that, that we read in a Neville book about... Um, a man that was in the hospital that Neville went to pray for. I'm trying to remember it, but I'm not doing a good job bringing up the whole story. But everyone said he's like, he won't be here this afternoon kind of thing. Like he's got, you know, maybe hours, maybe minutes to live. And I think about that in order to have, in order to be envisioning that person as well, you would have to be able to do this. You would have to be able to disregard appearances not to mention all the things everyone else is saying, the diagnosis and all of that, yeah. and subjectively affirm it to be true that this person was well. Which I personally, I find that to be easier than trying to do the same thing for myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. He says, but, but Neville is talking here about that if we do it for someone else, that we have, it is there in us as well, right? He mm-hmm. says, he says that, this awakens in you the tone of the state affirmed, which in turn realizes itself in you and in the one of whom it is affirmed. Right. Give and ye shall receive. Beliefs invariably awaken what they affirm. The world is a mirror wherein everyone sees himself reflected. The objective world reflects the beliefs of the subjective mind. Now, I talk about this with clients every single day, mm-hmm. that the world is a mirror. And one of the things that I think about when I read this paragraph right here, when he says, this awakens in you, the tone of the state affirmed, is if you've ever heard of um, tapping or emotional healing. GFT, yeah. Freedom technique. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a, there's a bunch of places, like one is on the hand, the head, right, where you tap. And you will be tapping and affirming something while you're tapping. Right. And you're tapping these circuits. It's like many people tap with someone else, like coaches tap with clients sometimes or therapists. And then sometimes people meet in groups and tap. And they actually have a word they use. They call it shared benefits. Because if everybody says, okay, we're all going to get together and we're going to tap with Walt so that Walt can be healed or something, right? Mm-hmm. People, the people tapping will later report, wow, I haven't had a headache either. You know, <laughs> whatever it is they're tapping for, and they call it shared benefits. And I read this, and I go, that's exactly what he's talking about. It is, yeah. It not only awakens this state in the person being prayed for, but it awakens it in everybody involved. In ev- Why? It's just alignment. It's vibrational alignment, right? That's what it sounds like to me. I also want to touch on uh, the idea of, of the world is a mirror. My favorite idea. <laughs> and I love the idea, and I love the way he expresses it. And I, I want to bring it up because I was involved in a conversation in a Neville group that I have since actually left because <laughs> for a variety of reasons. But let's just say we weren't engaging in civil discussion. I was uh, I was not feeling like I was uh, being treated respectfully, let's put it that way. Oh, okay. But anyway, that's all right. I, I was happy to leave. That's, you know, hey, that's fine. Um, but the point that I want to make is the people in this particular group uh, who were very well read in Neville had come to the conclusion that the idea that the world is a mirror, which he literally says there quite specifically means that there are no other people in the world. They had actually taken it to the extreme of concluding that everybody who you think of existing, you created yourself. They're basically just mirrors of you and nothing else. They had taken it to that level of extreme and the only point I want to make is, you know, Neville wasn't an extremist. 
Neville doesn't talk extremely. He talks specifically. He uses very specific parallels. He'll say this. He'll say that uh, God is consciousness. He'll do those kinds of parallels. But he doesn't do so for the purpose of being black and white. He does it for the purpose of achieving clarity. Yes. And so I, I just want to caution certain people who may or probably will never see this podcast. But if you ever see the podcast and you're one of those people, you know who you are. You know, calm down on the way you're interpreting what Neville's saying. Neville is not taking things as extremely as you are. You don't need to go that far. He he's, he's being very clear in what he's trying to say. Let's just stay with that. The world is a mirror. It's a good metaphor. Let's just go with that. It is a good metaphor. And, and one of the ways that I think that we can that we can make bring some harmony between those two conflicting ideas is to say, no, you know, yes, these people are real people. Right. And yet what you are perceiving from them, a lot of it is a mirror for how you perceive things. Right. And a lot of it is a mirror of what's going on in your own mind. Like I used this example uh, to someone earlier today. I said to them, often when coaches coach more than one person at a time, maybe business owners that are business partners or a married couple or, but you know, you're coaching two people, a parent, and a child. We'll ask one of them to say uh, something to the other. And then we'll ask the other, what did they just say? What did you say? And it's always amazing because it's never the same, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got Bob and Janet, and they're wanting some coaching around money. So, Bob, what, what, tell us how you feel. Well, it says, well, Janet spins pretty freely, and she's not a saver, and I'm a saver, and that kind of makes me nervous because I, I worry sometimes about it. Janet, what did you hear Bob say? He said, I'm terrible with money. <laughs> yes. Right? No, he didn't. You know, not, not said, you know where that message came from? Probably Janet's self-talk. She mm. probably says to herself all the time, I'm terrible with money. Yeah with money and then what happens the world mirrors it back whether they are or not it's what she hears coming back that's true that's a good point so when we're in a situation like you were where you felt like someone was being disrespectful to you you know for years i heard this like you reap what you sow i think we even read that verse in neville today you reap what, mm-hmm. you sow, right? what goes around comes around and i would think okay i know what that means that means if i'm nice to people people will be nice to me if i respect people people will respect me right if I'm kind, people will be kind to me. Well, that's not always the case. No. Right? It isn't. It's not. I, mean, I think it was, but unfortunately. Because we're kind to people and they are disrespectful <laughs> to us. Just the way it is. <laughs> and at that point, here's how I use the mirror. I don't ask, oh, am I being disrespectful to others? I mean, I might ask that because sometimes the mirror does show up. Well, yeah, I'll double check. I mean, I want to make sure that it's not me that's generating but, it. But sometimes it's that I'm not respecting myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I can say, where am I not respecting myself? And it might be this. I'm sitting here listening to this and taking this kind of abusive behavior. I'm out of here. Exactly. And that's exactly what it was. I have too much respect for myself to sit here in this conversation and let somebody say these kind of things to me. And so what is it? It becomes a mirror that is an opportunity for us to step into the place we want to be, to affirm the state that we want to have. And oh, by the way, we are also mirrors for everybody else. Exactly. I mean, I was veering back to them what they were dishing out, really. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I was simply <laughs> saying to them, I'm not going to put, put up with this passive-aggressive behavior. I don't normally do that. I'm not going to do it now, so I'm done. Bye. <laughs> so we are all complicated, and things can be complicated sometimes, and mm-hmm. the devil can be complicated. And I oh, think, yeah. <laughs> and I think taking anything to an extreme, um, you know, fundamentalism is extreme. That's right. Right? And it always it always discounts everyone else's view. It's funny that you say that because that was the word I had, I had thought of when I was thinking about this group of people. They were fundamentalists. They were fundamentalist Nevilleites. I'd never heard of such a thing before, but they were. It can happen anywhere, right? Yeah, I guess so. All right, so let's let's see what Neville says. He says, um, disregard appearances and subjectively affirm as true that which you wish to be true. This awakens in you the tone of the state affirmed which in turn realizes itself in you and in the one of whom it is affirmed. So that's what we're talking about, the tapping and the shared benefits. Beliefs invariably awaken what they affirm. The world is a mirror wherein everyone sees himself reflected. The objective world reflects the beliefs of the subjective mind. 
Some people are self-impressed best by visual images, others by mental sounds, and still others by mental actions. The form of mental activity which allows the whole power of your attention to be focused in one chosen direction is the one to cultivate until you can bring all to play on your objective at the same time. So when he talks about these things, he's going to describe them now. He says, should you have difficulty in understanding the terms, visual images, mental sounds, and mental actions, here's an illustration that should make their meanings clear. A imagines he sees a piece of music, knowing nothing at all about musical notations. The impression in his mind is purely visual image. B imagines he sees the same piece, but he can read music and can imagine how it would sound when played on the piano. That imagination is mental sound. C also reads music and is a pianist. As he reads, he imagines himself playing the piece. The imaginary action is mental action. The visual images, mental sounds, and mental actions are creations of your imagination. And though they appear to come from without, they actually come from within yourself. They move as if moved by another, but are really launched by your own spirit from the magical storehouse of imagination. They are projected into space by the same vibratory law that governs the sending of a voice or a picture. Speech and images are projected not as speech or images, but as vibratory correlates. Subjective mind vibrates according to the modifications it undergoes by the thought and feelings of the operator. The visible state created is the effect of the subjective vibrations. A feeling is always accompanied by a corresponding vibration, that is, a change in expression or sensation in the operator. There is no thought or feeling without expression. No matter how emotionless you appear to be, if you reflect with any degree of intensity, there's always an execution of slight muscular movements. The eye, though shut, follows the movements of the imaginary objects, and the pupil is dilated or contracted according to the brightness or the remoteness of those objects. Respiration is accelerated or slowed according to the course of your thoughts. The muscles contract correspondingly to your mental movements. This change of vibration persists until it awakens a corresponding vibration in the subject, which vibration then expresses itself in a physical fact. And the word was made flesh. I, I got to interrupt there. I just got to note. I got to note the word vibration. <laughs> yeah, right. And also the idea that there are so many things going on. Even when we think that we're completely emotionless or that we're very still, mm-hmm. there are still all these things going on that are correlating with whatever vibration we're creating. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool, though. I mean, I, I I couldn't remember for sure whether Neville had used the word vibration before. I think he may have, but just to keep my own thoughts straight, I just kept talking in terms of well, Abraham talks in terms of vibration, but Neville talks in terms of vibration, so I'm, I'm happy. Well, he does, and look, look look what he says next. He says energy, as you see in the case of radio, is transmitted and received in a field, mm-hmm. a place where changes in space occur. The field and energy are one and inseparable. The field or subject becomes the embodiment of the word or energy received. The thinker and the thought, the operator and the subject, the energy and the field are one. Were you still enough to hear the sound of your beliefs, you would know what is meant by the music of the spheres. The mental sound you hear in prayer is coming from without is really produced by yourself. Self-observation will reveal this fact. As the music of the spheres is defined as the harmony heard by the gods alone and is supposed to be produced by the movements of the celestial spheres, so too is the harmony you subjectively hear. For others heard by you alone is produced by the movements of your thoughts and feelings in the true kingdom of heaven within you. Uh, I want to go back to and uh, identify a word, not just identify it, but emphasize it. This is going to be about three paragraphs back. He talks about changes in expression. Yes. And as you read that, the first thought that was like gliding through my mind is there are lots of forms of expression. There is verbal expression. There is body language expression. 
there is, like he was saying, you know, the, the tick of an eye or a muscle twitching or something like that. Expression takes all kinds of forms. It takes all, all methods. And it's an important point, I think, because very often, particularly when we're trying to explore how to connect internally for the first time or, or we've been doing it for a short period of time. And, and that for me is not all that long ago. So that's why I kind of resonate with that. It is confusing at first. It can be a case of, well, you know, how do I know that I'm connected and things like that? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, by focusing on, well, how do I connect and how do I know and so forth over time and talking to you guys, getting great coaching on the show and so forth. Um, I, I've gotten to the point now where I feel very connected internally, but I still remember that feeling of, you know, what, what, what exactly is this connection stuff? And so when I read expression, change in expression, I realize if I had heard that phrase in early days when I was still learning this stuff in the, the very earliest primordial form, so to speak, it probably would have made a great deal to me to hear that phrase, a change in expression, because then I would have known all I have to do is just express in some way, and I am literally connecting internally. Right. Because that's what he's saying. You cannot have a thought or a feeling without an expression. And I think it's actually the law of the, – what was the reverse law? What do you call that? The law of – I can't think what it's called, but but when when you express it one way, it's also true the other way. Right, right, right. Of uh, reversibility or something like that. Yes. And also, you know, when he talks about in the past times when he has used the word expression, uh, we could exchange the word manifestation. This is true. Right. So when he talks about things. Thoughts that gain expression. He's talking about when those thoughts become things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think this is, it can be, I mean, he does talk about, you know, muscle movements and, and things. So I know he is talking about physical expression through a body mm-hmm. as we have thoughts or feelings. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking this whole chapter about what's going to be expressed in the other person that we're, sending these thoughts for. So I think that's the correlation is that we are expressing a change in vibration and that is affecting someone else, even if it's light. And I think all of us have experienced that. We've been on the receiving of that at one time or another. We may not have understood what was happening or how it was happening, but all of a sudden it's like you get this download and you say, what was that? (laughs) <laughs> what did I what what did I just experience? And later on, somebody will tell you, "Oh, we were praying for you," or "Oh, we were thinking about you," or "You know, we 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 missed you at the picnic or something." And you realize, I was actually aware of that, and right. through that recognition, oh, I am connected internally. The yeah. connection never actually went away. Now I'm noticing where I'm connecting. I was um, in an interesting conversation about the same thing in kind of a different way. And what it was was that so often we try to figure out why or how, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. you know. And But it was just if we stopped doing that so much and we just recognized that it did happen, you know, we'll experience a lot more of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And so it's like if, if, if someone is thinking about you and you happen to call them and they say, oh, my goodness, I was just thinking about you. Mm-hmm. We, we have two witnesses that it happened. That's and right. We don't need to figure out why or how. We just, it did. And mm-hmm. so if we're open, right? And I think that's kind of in line with what Neville is talking about. There's agreement. There's no resistance. So, so how interesting it is then that we're talking about a chapter where Neville was specifically discussing the idea of praying, using the, the meaning of the word pray that he uses, right. and having that prayer affect others. And yet, every step of the way, we're also talking about how it affects ourselves. And he did, too. He discussed it that way, too. So, interesting point to raise here. The moment, kind of, kind of tying into that group experience, what would they call it? Shared benefits? Right. Tying into that idea. Even when we're talking about helping somebody else, we're also talking about helping ourselves. Yes, always. Right. And, and I think he even talks about in this chapter we've just read that neither one of us will get benefits from the situation if we don't understand and accept that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
So it's all part of the process. Right. He's describing a process of what we would today call enlightening or spiritually waking up. Yes, I think so. Yeah. 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 Which is pretty cool, especially considering he managed to do that using the language of the time without making it sound like it was a, a religious text. <laughs> That's quite a feat. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although Neville doesn't care if it sounds like a religious text, right? Like, well, he doesn't care if it sounds like a religious text, but he doesn't want it to sound like a religious text the way the religionists mean it. Right, he wants exactly. it to be the way Neville means it. <laughs> well, so I, think we can, I, I know we're three-quarters of the way through our hour, but I think we can cover this next chapter because it's short. It's fairly short. Yeah, let's go for it. And so this next chapter is called Good Tidings. Uh, and he begins with a verse that says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation. He says a very effective way to bring good tidings to another is to call before your mind's eye the subjective image of the person you wish to help and have him affirm that which you desired him to do. Mentally hear him tell you he's done it. This awakens within him the vibratory correlate of the state affirmed, which vibration persists until its mission is accomplished. You know, that's interesting. If you ever stood on a mountain and, you know, made an echo, you know, yelled mm-hmm. out something. and Right. Right. That vibration, it, it, it never disappears. It just keeps going and going. Keeps going. Mm-hmm. The Bible says here that this vibration is going to keep going until it's recognized, Right. This awakens within him the vibratory correlate of the state affirmed, which vibration persists until its mission is accomplished. It does not matter what it is you desire to have done or whom you selected to do it. As soon as you subjectively affirm that it is done, results follow. Failure can result only if you fail to accept the truth of your assertion or if the state affirmed would not be desired by the subject for himself or another. In the latter event, the state would realize itself in you, the operator. This also reminds me of something that Linda Armstrong likes to say periodically, which is she she likes to, uh, like if she's walking down the street or driving or whatever, and she sees somebody just kind of randomly is usually the word people describe, but, but she doesn't actually describe it that way. She describes it as someone I just decide arbitrarily I'm going to focus on this person because I see something that that person needs some love or something like that. So I'll just send out some love. And she says, that's all I do. I just think I'm, I'm sending out some love. And the point that she makes is it doesn't matter whether that person's in a receptive state or not, because even if that person's not in the receptive state, somebody else is. So somebody's going to get that benefit. It may not be the way she had in mind. I can hear it. It's like that echo. Yeah. Like putting that vibration out there. That's right. Whether that person's receptive or not. So Neville says the seemingly, I love this too. This makes me laugh when I read it. The seemingly harmless habit of talking to yourself is the most fruitful form of prayer. It's a strange way of phrasing it. <laughs> a mental argument with the subjective image of another is the surest way to pray for an argument. No kidding. And I will tell you that there have been times in my life when that mental argument wanted to happen. Oh, yeah. I would just keep going around in the head a conversation that was entirely made up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would catch myself, why do I keep having this conversation? It's really an argument. Mm-hmm. And that's what Neville's talking about. He says you are asking to be offended by the other when you objectively meet. And it reminds me of, uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, there, Which I am. there is a scene, uh, and I'm losing which movie it was in, when Yoda and um, it's at Dagobah when when Luke is going down into the cave, mm-hmm. right? And he comes back up and he's trying to get all these weapons. And Yoda's telling him, you don't, you know, you only, you're only going to have what you bring with you. Right. Right. And I was having a conversation with a young man one day and he was going off and he was going to meet a relative and he was telling me how he was, he was expecting them to be upset and he was ready for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, do you, do you know this scene in the star Wars movie? And he, yeah. And I said, whatever you bring with you is the only thing you're going to find there. If you bring, if you bring weapons, you're going to find a fight, mm-hmm. right? Be ready for something else. 
Yeah. <laughs> be ready for something else. Which isn't always easy to do. No. I mean, when, when you get into that kind of mental state where you're you're just itching for a fight, I mean, very often we do it because we need to burn off the energy, so to speak. We need to burn off that negative feeling, so we just kind of like voice it to get it out and so forth. Um, and as long as long as we're we're letting go of it, that that's a great thing to do. The problem is we don't we often don't let go of it, and then we start building it into a momentum. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because when we feel like we perceive that someone's attacking us, they right. might not be. Right. We get defensive. Mm-hmm. We get ourselves all pumped up and ready for the fight. We're going to yeah. defend ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We do that. We're like Neville says. We're asking to be offended by the other. He says he's compelled to act in a manner displeasing to you unless before the meeting you countermand or modify your order by subjectively affirming a change. Unfortunately, man forgets his subjective arguments, his daily mental conversations with others, and so is at a loss for an explanation of the conflicts and misfortunes of his life. So that's kind of funny, right? You're like, I don't know why this happened, <laughs> even though you've been rehearsing it in your head for like a month. Right. I don't know why it happened. As mental arguments produce conflicts, so happy mental conversations produce corresponding visible states of good tidings. Man creates himself out of his own imagination. If the state desired is for yourself, and you find it difficult to accept as true what your senses deny, call before your mind's eye the subjective image of a friend and have him mentally affirm that you are already that which you desire to be. This establishes in him, without his conscious consent or knowledge, the subconscious assumption that you are that which he mentally affirmed. Which assumption, because it is unconsciously assumed, will persist until it fulfills its mission. Its mission is to awaken in you its vibratory correlate, which vibration, when awakened in you, realizes itself as an objective fact. Now, that's a big circle going on there. Do you see Mm -hmm. It's a very big circle, and it's a little bit complex, too, so maybe we need to break it down a little bit. Well, it's it's complex in that it's a circle, but it's basically pretty easy. It means I'm having trouble really being able to imagine this for myself. So what I'm mm-hmm. going to imagine is I'm going to imagine you congratulating me that I already have this. Thing. Right, yes. And when I do that, that awakens this vibration in you because it's like a prayer. And when the vibration gets awakened in you, it has no choice but to reflect on me. Because I'm part of the equation here. So it's really like this big circle of power. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's a cool circle, too, because, you know, most often, I mean, it is possible, we've already discussed how it's possible, to be interconnected vibrationally with another in a way that both find to be unpleasant. But in this case, we're talking about a way of interconnecting in a way that's pleasant, that we prefer, that we enjoy. Right. And, and that's he, the cool part. It's fun. He's using, he's using the word friend, right? So we know that it's a, it's a friendly relationship. Right. He says another very effective way to pray for oneself is to use the formula of Job, who found that his own captivity was removed as he prayed for his friends. Fix your attention on a friend and have the imaginary voice of your friend tell you that he is or has that which is comparable to that which you desire to be or have. As you mentally hear and see him, feel the thrill of his good fortune and sincerely wish him well. This awakens in him the corresponding vibration of the state affirmed, which vibration must then objectify itself as a physical fact. We're talking about that circle again. You will discover the truth of the statement, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The quality of mercy is twice blessed. It blesses him who taketh and him who giveth. The good you are subject, the good you subjectively accept as true of others will not only be expressed by them, but a full share will be realized by you. Transformations are never total. Force A is always transformed into more than a force B. A blow with a hammer produces not only a mechanical concussion, but also heat electricity, a sound, a magnetic charge, and so on. The vibratory correlate in the subject is not the entire transformation of the sentiment communicated. The gift transmitted to another is the light, is like the divine measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, so that after 5,000 are fed from the five loaves and two fish, 12 baskets full are left over. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that he's talking about uh, Mentally 
seeing what you want for yourself, seeing someone else having it, wishing it for them. Mm-hmm. That's very much in line with a type of meditation that I practice, Brahma Vihara meditation, or even Tonglen meditation, where the things that we want, we are actually praying for others to have them. And one of the ways that you can do this that, that also has this same effect is when you hear about someone else getting something that you want. When you hear about someone else, you know, falling in love or having success or, or coming into a huge amount of good fortune or getting a healing and it's the thing you've been wanting for yourself, mm-hmm. practice being very excited about that. Right. Practice saying, good for them, that's wonderful, instead of, oh, how come I don't have that, right? I've been trying to manifest that for myself, and now everyone else has it but me. Recognize that just the fact that you're hearing about someone else getting it, that you're seeing and experiencing someone else having it, that's driftwood, right? Because if your vibration wasn't getting closer to it, you wouldn't even hear these things. Yeah. That's true. I, I love the fact that when he is discussing this, and I love the way you're laying this out, by the way, you're laying it out so beautifully. Um, we so often have heard in the past from a variety of teachers, most often religious teachers, the idea that we should be altruistic. We should be caring about others. We should be praying for others. We should not put ourselves first. We should be praying for them. And what gets lost in that translation is exactly what you just said there. What gets lost is the reason why we do that. Mm -hmm. The reason why we do that is because it comes back to us. That's the part that gets left out so often. And it's the key component. It's the part that makes the whole thing make sense. Yeah. Because until you get that part, it it sounds like a self-destructive behavior pattern. But now that you've got that one piece, what was formerly a self-destructive pattern now becomes a self-constructive pattern. Right. Every time I hear about somebody winning, like, the big lottery, I mm-hmm. sound Yeah. I'm like, yes, that is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. It is fantastic. Right. Anytime I hear about something really wonderful going on with someone – I try to remember to celebrate it and mm-hmm. because that's the vibration that I want to be on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how right. I bring myself in alignment with that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good well, I also want to emphasize the, his emphasis on friends. He, yes. he, he talked about friends a lot there mm-hmm. and I think it was very specific and very deliberate because friend is a word that has certain connotations. Um, it, it's it's sort of a dividing line. You know, I, this, a friend is somebody you prefer. A non-friend is somebody you don't prefer, or perhaps an enemy is somebody you, you don't prefer. And it, it's an important point, I think. Again, I'm thinking of the same group that I was interacting with because they were trying to convince me that it doesn't matter who the friends are. But it does matter because otherwise they wouldn't be friends. That's the point. <laughs> right. You can't just say, well, it's just anybody. I, I, like, for instance, the example I gave to them was, well, I really wouldn't want to hang out with murderers and rapists. I mean, I could catch them on a day where they're very friendly and so forth, but I still don't want to hang out with them. <laughs> Correct. Me either. <laughs> it's just, I, it's not, there's anything necessarily about them being morally wrong. It's just, I don't prefer that kind of person. It, to me, that's just not somebody I'd like to spend time with. It's a preference thing. And that's what friendship is. Friendship is about preferring. Life is about preferring. And so now if I take this concept, which I think is, I've always lived by this concept. I loved it when you suggested to me uh, preference and non-preference as opposed to positive and negative. But when I take that concept of preferring and apply it not just to my life, but to my understanding of, Prayer, praying for it, praying for another preference now takes on a whole new meaning because now preference is about somebody else and about me. It's about both of us. And that is about the relationship. And, and you know, sometimes, so good. sometimes we have relationships where, where, you know, the whole thing about, oh, don't talk about politics with this person. Yeah. Religion or whatever. Right. 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 But sometimes I've had people 
you know, ask me about, say, well, I love this person so much, but they also get on my nerves so much about this. But sometimes, you know, we have so much fun when we go to the movies, but when we do this, it's always, and, and I say, so just go to the movies then. Right. Do the things right. that you prefer to do together. Yes. And don't do the other things that cause you grief. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you and I would write a book called Preference. I, I, I mean, we could make some pretty good points, I think, to some people. <laughs> but that's a thought for another day. Hey, we're out of time, but before we go, remind people how to reach out to Cindy Chavez, the life coach. Uh, they can reach out to me at my website, cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. I have a contact form there. Uh, you can email me at cindy at cindychavez.com. But I would love to hear from you. Give me a shout. Excellent. And with that wonderful, warm closing thought, we will say thank you to our live stream audience because we had a good live stream audience today. They were chatting away over what we're talking about. We appreciate that. Thank you to our podcast listeners as well. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.